Hello and welcome back to Cinema Theology, the podcast where movies and theological themes meet. Uh, I am Josias Flores, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined here by... Harid Cortez, your other co-host. And I am so happy that we have come back to do another episode. It's been a, and it's been a while, Josias. Yeah, it has been, honestly. I was looking at our last recording and it's been almost a year, I think, since last time we put out a, a podcast so hopefully you're still listening to us and when you get the, the notification that we have a new podcast you click on it and enjoy this movie and analyzing this movie along with us so what are we talking about today we are talking about 1917 a war film released in 2019 directed by sam mendes so why were you drawn to review this movie Josias? So, okay, so there's a few things about this movie that, that really stand out to me. Number one, this is a tribute film. Sam Mendes kind of wrote and, and directed this as a tribute to his grandfather. And if I understand correctly, he kind of drew from multiple stories that he heard about the war from his grandfather uh, in order to write the script. So already that intrigues me. It's, it's like a family legacy uh, and from that perspective of telling stories and uh, sharing your heritage and sharing the past and drawing meaning from the past. Another thing that really draws me to this movie is the way it's shot. And we've talked about this before, uh, Hadid Dido, in, 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 in our own conversations. And a lot of people have talked about that from this movie is that it's it seems like this one long continuous scenes, which really big props to the actors because I'm sure there were scenes that they had to, it's like minutes long, and they could not mess up. And if they did, you have to like start all over. I can't even imagine the kind of work that went into it. And also possible frustrations of like, oh no, something messed up that shot. Like, let's start over. That'd probably be very frustrating. So um, that that makes the film really special in the sense that you really feel like you're part of it. You're the third person that's following along with this incredible story. And uh, it really draws you in from that perspective. And to be honest, when I first saw this movie, I watched it with a friend in theaters and it, we were both crying, man, like watching this movie in theaters. And, you know, it's like the whole, <laughs> we're trying to hold it in because, you know, men supposedly not supposed to cry, whatever that, that uh, toxic masculinity thing is. But we were both crying and really affected by watching it um, and this beautiful story of friendship, camaraderie. Yeah. So I love this film. Definitely watch it if you haven't already and then come back and listen to our podcast and tell us what you think. What about you, Dilo? What did you think about this movie? What stands out to you from it? How did you experience it? Well, I can totally relate to some aspects of your experience because the first time I saw it, I also kind of tried to hold it together in the theater. And then I went out to my car and had like a good cry for about five minutes. And I think I had like a, a very unique experience because I saw it in IMAX and it is oh, by far nice. the most immersive experience I've ever had watching a movie. And I think it's only heightened because it's made to, to look or to feel like it's one continuous shot. And you know, you go into like how they made this movie, how they, they made some of the shots. I think there's like one of the shots towards the end that's like five minutes long where they go into a forest down into a trench and it's 
the cameras on a crane and then they load it onto a truck. It's it's such so inconceivable how this movie was made. So it's kind of like a miracle of filmmaking. But other than that, I was also very impacted by just the raw emotion and the profound themes in this movie. And in a certain way, and I think this is true of a lot of other war films, uh, it feels kind of surreal. It feels like almost like a parable. It feels kind of like a, I don't know, like a story that is fantasy. It's it's something otherworldly, yes. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I kind of experienced it like a painting that's come to life, if that makes sense. Yes, it it is it is a beautiful movie, especially that that part when they're at night and they're lighting up flares, and uh, the the one guy is trying to navigate through a destroyed town. That's a very that scene just feels the most surreal for me, at least. hundred oh, percent agree. I, I do think that scene again. It's like is this a dream? Is he really experiencing this? Is he sleeping and seeing this? There's mm-hmm. definitely. Yes, realism that's present there, but in the midst of that is still a very human and grounded story. You know, it's yes, it's uh, and that's, I think that's part of the reason why I connected with it so much and, and and cried. And I think maybe that's the case for you too. But the fact that it's a story that you can totally relate to, despite it being, you know, a hundred years ago, and um, you know, we're not in a war and we're not as soldiers in a world war but yet it just felt very uh very near and dear at least to me so mm-hmm. and i have a question for you Josias. in the spectrum of war films throughout history they usually fall into one of two camps there is the definitely the one camp which is War is heroic. They f- they focus on the heroic acts of the people, the soldiers, the generals, the commanders, and I think we we've did one, we've done one of those already in Hacksaw Ridge, which focuses on the heroic acts of Desmond Doss. <laughs> Does this film yes. fall under that category where we highlight the heroic acts of specific soldiers or does it fall on the other category of films like Platoon or Apocalypse Now where it highlights the horror and the inhumanity of war? Where do you think this film this film falls in that spectrum? Man, this this film I feel like is somewhere in the middle of those two of those two sides. And and the reason why I think that is because even though the main characters are not your typical heroes, like there's really nothing special mm-hmm. about these two guys. And then later the one guy, like there's nothing that really stands out. Yes. Schofield, he had received a, a medal before, but he doesn't strike you as like the really heroic soldier. Mm-hmm. He didn't even want to go on this mission. He's not out to seek glory for himself. He didn't even care about the medal. He gave it away for, for, you know, for alcohol. Like, this guy is the least, it's like an unlikely hero, but he's still a hero. So that's why I don't want to say like, it's not a hero movie because it does focus on, on a particular character that fulfills a mission and does a heroic act that saves a lot of lives. But at the same time, they don't portray him the way he, heroes are usually portrayed. And adding to that, it's still, this movie is an analysis on human nature and kind of like the evils of war and mm-hmm. the kind of, 
unsensical, nonsensical nature of war, whatever that word is, um, how it's it's just awful and, and ugly and uh, and how it's not really bad guys and good guys as much as people just trying to survive, you know? So I think it's a little bit of both. And I really appreciate about the movie as well. Yeah, I think I agree with you because I think it, it's a very personal story because it's only about two characters and spoiler alert, by the end, it's just one character. And so we have a very subjective point of view where we kind of feel the horror of war, but we also admire the determination and heroism and courage of uh, of the soldiers that go on this mission. But I want to talk about I want to talk a little bit more right now about just like kind of some of the more like terrifying and just dehumanizing aspects of war that are depicted in this film. Josias, are you familiar with the phrase, war is hell? Yes. I mean, I've heard it a few times. <laughs> yes, I think it's it's basically a cliche, but I think this movie, this, this film, illustrates the truth of that statement to a certain degree. And as, as I was watching this film recently, I realized that this film portrays war as basically the opposite or the antithesis of God's vision for humanity. I saw this in three specific ways throughout the film. First is the dehumanization of the soldier and the disregard for human life. And we see this at a certain point, as I said, halfway through the movie, Blake dies unceremoniously. He is stabbed by an enemy pilot and we see him slowly die and we see William Schofield kind of try to mourn his loss, but he is picked up by a another troop that is passing through and the commander basically tells him, don't dwell on it, just move on. It does not do you good to dwell on it. So basically there is no room for grief. There is no room for acknowledging that you know, someone's life has just ended. Somebody's son, somebody's brother has uh, just died. And just that aspect of the complete utter disregard for human life is very, is put on display in this movie. Another thing that I saw that was illustrated very well in this film was that compassion is not an asset in war. And again, I'm going back to the death scene because we see in a German pilot crash into a barn where our two protagonists are are currently are currently you know standing there, and one uh, William Schofield he wants he te he tells Blake we should just put him out of his misery and move on, but Blake tells him no, we should get him water, we should try to help him. And as William Schofield is going to get him water, we just hear a struggle and then we pan to to him being stabbed by the pilot and then the pilot uh, is also shot by, by Schofield. And that act of kindness, that act of compassion that Blake uh, demonstrates is punished. It is a characteristic that we don't find in William Schofield either. I think William Schofield survives up until the end of the movie because he is in a very real sense he's a little bit more ruthless we see during one of the scenes where he is trying to escape the city 
he runs through, I think it's a church or a meeting house or whatever, and he sees a young German soldier and he has no choice but to kill him, which is sad. It's inhumane because it's, it, this kid looks like he's like 16, 17. And it's sad that he has to take his life, but that's what he needs to do because this is war and there is no room for compassion. Well, I, I, can, I can I jump in there? Sure, because sure. It, you know, I kind of have an, a different, in some senses, perspective on this because I almost, it's almost as if it's a result of Tom Blake's sacrifice Schofield does end up developing some compassion because I think that's like the turning point in, in Schofield's character arc. And so later, for example, in the scene where he goes under into this house, like kind of underground with this French lady and the baby, like he definitely shows compassion to her there. Right. Uh, and gives his milk, gives his milk and food for her to have supplies and for her to be able to feed this baby that, that, that she found. And so it's it's almost like he was going through the motions up until that point. He was just like, oh, why did you bring me along? This is dumb. There's no point for this mission. Like, who cares if they die? And then when Tom Blake dies, it's like all of a sudden he has purpose. And then all of a sudden, he, he yes, he has to survive. And so he does what he needs to survive. For example, killing that, that young soldier. But he also shows compassion at key moments and, and it kind of changes his attitude and I thought that was an interesting point that the movie made as well, that despite, you know, the idealistic Tom Blake dying as a result of his wanting to help others, now Schofield, as a result of that act and, and that death, he kind of, in, mo- in key moments, and really throughout the whole thing, he's showing, he's showing compassion towards others because he could have easily just said, forget the mission, we're not going to make it anyway, uh, let me just choose comfort. But it's almost like the compassion and the sacrifice drives him now. Definitely. Um, what do you think that scene where he goes and finds the mother and the child, what does that kind of signify for you? What's the relevance of that being in the movie? That's a really good question. And to me, the thing that stood out to me, and you may have a different take, because I think there's definitely like multiple aspects to this scene. But the one thing that stood out to me mm-hmm. is this idea of comfort. And how in that moment, it was a space for him to be comfortable. It was a space for him to settle down in some sense and just kind of bunker down and say, you know what, I'm just going to stay here. Uh, there's there's a lady here that wants me to stay, needs support for her baby. I can just kind of forget about what's all going on. I don't have to worry about the Germans trying to shoot me out there, running through this darkness and continue this ridiculous mission that I probably won't complete anyway. But instead of choosing comfort, mm-hmm. he goes again to like you know what no i have a purpose and i can't just forget my purpose despite all the inconveniences despite all the challenges and all the obstacles i'm going to choose this comfort in order to fulfill what i what i know to be important and i think that connects to the christian life very well uh, because as we look at jesus and his call to discipleship it's not a call to comfort but a call to discomfort it's a call to pick up your cross and and follow Mm him and so True disciples know that despite the discomfort that happens and having to give up your resources in some cases and having to um, sacrifice things in this life, uh, they're driven by something bigger and a bigger purpose. Uh, and so that really stood out to me in that in that scene. And there's also other parts of the movie where, again, it's the temptation of comfort. 
Schofield tells Blake, why did you pick me? I was doing just fine. I could have been sleeping by that tree with the rest of, of our, our battalion, whatever the case may be. You know, why did you draw me out of this comfort? Now I have to deal with this ridiculous mission. And in another place, uh, or towards the end, you see that Schofield has lost his rifle, his helmet, his pack, his food. Like, basically, he's just now just wearing his uniform because he's giving up all these things in pursuit of that mission and all this comfortable, in some sense, or, or these tools that have helped him. He has to give them up if he wants to fulfill uh, that mission. And so, again, just this theme of comfort showed up in that scene for me. And I thought that was uh, really what about you? What do you think about that scene? What you just said really reminded me of the verse in Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So that I think that, that really resonates with what you said about, you know, him leaving his his provisions behind because he knows it'll be a burden to him as he tries to fulfill his mission. So and let, let me try to like, let me just ask you, do you think the family or like the woman and the baby in the, at that, um, in that scene, are they a hindrance to him? Is So you said comfort is a temptation. So are they necessarily a hindrance? Is it like, is that an obstacle that he needs to get past in order to fulfill his mission? I think, it's in some sense it helped them. Mm -hmm. It helped them to take to breathe, to rest, and then continue the mission. However, it was a temptation, so it was a good thing for him. But it could have been a bad thing for him if he would have selected to stay there instead of just letting that be a brief moment of time of rest in his journey. Uh, if he would have said, "You know what? I just don't want to ever leave this situation." Maybe I'll marry this lady and just live in France and, you know, <laughs> leave the army because I don't really care about what's going on. Um, then that would have been an, a huge obstacle for him and he wouldn't have fulfilled his purpose. But the fact that he stays for a short amount of time, then I think helps him because he's able to rest. I see. And then gather energy to, to, to finish what he started. You see, I have a, a, a bit of a different take on it. So I think this this scene where he comes across the mother and the child it it kind of reminds him in a certain way of what he is fighting for because we know he has a a wife and he has a child i don't remember if it's a daughter or a son but it kind of i think it kind of reminds him what he is fighting for back home and that motivates him to continue going so i have a little bit of a different take on that but now that we're talking about it, i think also family is one of the things that is touched on on how the family unit is broken apart by war and we see this in the way that Schofield talks about going back home after receiving receiving the medal of honor he says that he hated it because he knew that he would have to go back he would have to leave them and he couldn't bear the thought of not coming back and in that sense family is a hindrance to the purposes of war I thought that was really interesting. And we see how family is torn apart, not only because soldiers, you know, soldiers have to leave their families in order to fight in the war, but we also see this at the end of the movie when Schofield meets Blake's brother and we see him go through the grief of of uh, finding out that his brother has died. Oh, which man. That I think, I think is... It's, it's one of the best 
acted scenes I've seen in a war film. This, uh, I think it's Richard Madden. When he, from the, oh, where's my brother? I want to see him. To the realization and the and the despair and the the sorrow at the end of the conversation. Oh, man, that's the scene that broke me. Honestly, that's the scene that where I just couldn't hold it back anymore. Because you're totally right. That that original excitement of like, oh, yeah, well, Tom, Tom, where is he? And then the realization of, oh, he didn't make it. Um, ah, that's brutal. But I, I do think that family is a big theme throughout this whole movie. And, um, and how family motivates you to do things that you would never do in other situations. But at the same time, like you said, it's that paradox of family motivates, but it can also hold you back. Uh, and um, how do you think that applies to the Christian life though? You know, like we're talking about war, but as, as people listening to this podcast, as us individuals, you know, we're, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, trivialize war and say, Oh, we're in a war of our own, because I think that's oversimplifying and, and unfair really to, to the men and women who have fought uh, in, in our war wars and beyond. But as we think about our own journey as, as Christians, What's the interplay there, you know? Um, and what's the connection? You know, that's a very, very interesting question. Because I think part of our purpose, at least one of the purposes for which God created man was so man could, you know, reproduce, have families. Um, you know, he shall leave his mother and father and, you know, live with his wife, all that stuff in, uh, in Genesis. But at the same time, I think, in a, in a similar way here, family, under some circumstances, can lead us away. In the same way that relationships can draw us nearer to God, relationships can draw us away from God. Hmm. That's a good way to put it, I think. So I think that, that not only extends to, you know, um friends we often use that in the in the context of friends you know be careful who you hang out with but the same can be true of family in many instances yeah it's it's tough it's tough because you want to love your family and uh and have that have that connection and, and invest in those relationships but you're totally right you know there is a place where families can can hold you back from uh something like maybe let's say a higher calling or 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 growth you know I, in in that context i'm thinking of abraham you know where in uh, genesis 12 when he receives the calling he said leave your family leave your family homestead and you know just wander through the wilderness to where i am calling you Inter, you know, so you, he has to leave his family in order to pursue a higher calling not his whole family he of course takes his wife and his, you know, his servants and whatnot. And he, he takes his nephew as well. But there's that concept in the Bible as well where we must sometimes leave our places of comfort. Because I think that's another aspect. Sometimes family can represent comfort, which sometimes can be a hindrance. Yes. No, honestly, you sharing that reminded me of a, a part in the movie because I totally agree with you. And I'm so glad you brought up the Abraham story because I think that applies very well. It reminded me of that scene after Schofield, towards the end of the movie, has, you know, floated down this river 
and made it to the clearing where all the soldiers are ready to, you know, to charge the Germans. Um, and as he's sitting there, and they're kind of like a worship service, or not really a worship service, but like a, a <laughs> moment of rest before they they they, uh, they go join the others. They they start they're singing this song. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger. And it ties in so much to what you just said in the story of Abraham, because he was a, a, a wayfaring stranger too. And there, right there, William Schofield had left his family, had left his comforts, had seen his his friend die, and he had again gotten stripped down of all his supplies except for the clothes on his back. Uh, had crawled over dead bodies literally in order to get to this place. And then this song, beautiful rendition of "I'm Just a Poor Wayfaring Stranger." Uh, is is playing there, um, and I love the lyrics to that. And I thought it was very well done in the movie. You know, I'm just a poor, wayfaring stranger traveling through this world below. There's no sickness, no toil or danger in that bright land to which I go. So, um, I'm going there to see my father's, the family connection, and all my loved ones who've gone on. I'm just going over Jordan again, this river where he just came out of a river. I'm just going over home. And the fact that, and we talked about this beforehand, the movie begins with a tree, by a tree, and it ends with a tree. It's almost like the biblical narrative, where you, at the very beginning of the biblical narrative, you have the Garden of Eden, and you have these two trees. You have a tree, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, good and evil. And then sin happens in between the whole biblical narrative, and at the very end, you have the tree of life again. Uh, and so it's almost like the club, like he knows he's nearing the end of his story where he's finally able to go home, where he's finally able to find rest, where he's finally able to gather uh, with family. And, uh, and, the, and the movie portrays it in between these two trees. And I think that's such a beautiful image that reminds us of the biblical narrative and the theological theme as well and ties into what you were just saying Um about, about Abraham and having to give up comforts and having to give up family in order to accomplish the journey. And, and I'll say one more thing. You know, as I was watching the movie, I was reminded of the Christian classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, but you brought something out as we were talking beforehand that it's really like a missionary journey uh, and kind of like what missionaries have to go through. Well, yeah, I think... And at a certain level, it kind of resembles the call that Jesus makes in Matthew 28. Uh, go and make disciples of all nations, which is basically a call. You know, you have a message to deliver that is going to save so many people. And it is similar to here in the film where these two soldiers are giving given a message and it's going to save a whole battalion of people that are going to die if they don't get this message. So I find a certain parallel there. And as we see throughout the, you know, throughout the entire narrative and, you know, as he gets closer and closer to his goal, he, you see him like tell everybody like we've been or you've been ordered to stop by general. I don't remember what his name was, but he's delivering this. He's talking to the captains, to the colonels. You see, he 
talks to one of them who that's giving out orders and like oh no just give it over to the captain go to the captain who's over there he goes to the captain and the captain is in shock he's like crying so he has to like claw his way through a bunch of like charging soldiers and he has to run across the battlefield in order to reach benedict cumberbatch i and i remember the first time i saw it, I i was like so tense because he was not receptive to the message and even when he sees the letter he kind of like unwillingly just kind of like calls the attack off and i think that in some ways resembles also the the christian or missionary journey because in our efforts to share this life giving this life saving message there are people who will just not want to hear it so i think that is that is very significant but you mentioned Pilgrim's Progress, which I think is also is, is, is an interesting way because I told you at the beginning, this movie feels surreal as kind of like a parable because there are so many significant things that happen that feel kind of mythological. What do you think the the how do think how do you think we apply this to the Christian journey? Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot to draw from different scenes. Particularly mm-hmm. in the character of William Schofield, and that is that um, sometimes you have the thing that someone else needs somewhere down the line, and you don't even know it yet. So I think that applies to our lives because, as Christians, because there are so many things in our lives that happen that don't seem to really mean anything or to make any sense. Sometimes things that happen to our to us in our lives are tragic, and they're really frustrating. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I think about William Schofield. He was just by chance selected for this mission. Like when he asked Tom, he's like, why did you pick me? He's like, well, you were just right there with me. You know, literally you were just the one that was right there. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, except that like, it's just the way things played out. There was nothing special about you, so to speak. You were just there. And then later, uh, when they get to the farm where Tom ultimately dies, like he finds milk and he puts it in his canteen. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just kind of like a random, okay, cool, there's milk, but you don't really, there's not really done anything done with it until later in the movie that you see he, when he runs across this family, this this lady and the baby, he has what she needed to feed the baby because the baby can't eat, you know, canned foods. She can't even open up cans, probably, but he has the milk and it's still fresh somewhat, you know, because it's that same day where he grabbed, where he gathered the milk. Um and the baby can use the milk now. And so over and over again in the movie, there's few moments where you see that the thing that was needed was already provided earlier in the journey, but they didn't understand it yet. And maybe it was for someone else's benefit. And so again, one other scene of that is at the end where he gives Benedict Cumberbatch like, hey, here's the letter. And it's like Benedict Cumberbatch's character didn't know that he was going to receive this. But already, mm-hmm. a couple days prior, provision was made for him to not send these soldiers out. So a couple of things come draw out to me, like both God gives us things to help other people along the journey that will answer their prayers somehow or be beneficial to them. And then also God provides for us before we even know it through other people. And so by connecting with other people and being open to other people, we may receive that which we need and i thought that was a powerful theme throughout the movie and throughout the story of of um william schofield and 
and Tom Blake. What about you? Is there something about the the movie that stands out to you as like a theme, another point that connects to uh, the Christian life as kind of a parable sort of presentation? I think the, you know, the, the, the movie, the film has so many different themes and motifs running through it. But I think in the end, what I'm left with is the concept of determination and perseverance. I'm thinking of there are so many points throughout the film where they could have decided to give up and move back. Either when, you know, the bunker exploded at the beginning or when Blake, when Blake dies or when, or, you know, you said it, when he runs into the mother and the baby and accused. So what I'm left with is just the concept of determination and perseverance, which as we read in Hebrews 12, is a big part of the Christian journey. No matter how much discouragement we receive throughout our lives, no matter how many things we think are against us, no matter the obstacles, the determination mm. and the perseverance that is needed to uh, carry out our, our the purpose for our lives, the purpose that God has for us, always needs to be there. Um, and I think it also, one of the things that the movie also points towards is a better future. Uh, this is highlighted at the end when he looks at the photo of his wife and his baby. And there's just telling us to, they're just telling him to come back. That's the only message at the back of, of the photograph. Uh, so there's that yearning for a better future, but I think it's also highlighted well in the I Am a Poor Wayfaring Stranger, which talks about a future where there is no more war, there is no more suffering, there is no more violence. And I think that is a big part of both the film and it's also a big part of the Christian journey. Yearning and working towards a better future. Yes, despite the obstacles, um, despite the discomfort, there's that hope. It is a dangerous thing, but it is a powerful thing. It is a powerful motivator. Um, and I think where your hope lies matters. If your hope is mm -hmm. found in things that are transient, that don't really have depth to it, then it, it can be a dangerous thing. But if your hope is rooted in something bigger and something deeper, um, in a grander person, then you can have assurance in that. And that really can drive you to live in a way that you never thought possible um, and get yes. the things that you never thought you'd be able to get through to that better hope, that better future that you were talking about and to rest ultimately in the tree of life that Revelation talks about. That's beautiful. What a way to end. What a way to end a movie. What a way to end a podcast. Like, that's beautiful. Yes. I was about to say, that's a great note to end on. <laughs> All right. So, everybody who just listened, thank you for listening to us for, for the last few, I don't know, 40 minutes or so. Uh, we will be back. We want to do this more yes. often. So, please stay tuned and follow us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes. And the irony of it is... Do you know, before, before I, I sign off, uh, the irony of it all is that uh, when we're living near to each other, yes. by to each other, 
we hardly ever did this. And now that we've moved away from each other, we're back at it again. So hopefully that bodes well for other episodes in the future. Yes. And uh, we hope to, to hear from you and to put on another episode for you soon. Thanks again. All right. See you guys. <laughs>